Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Business Aspirin, pain relief for business. Clint Junelle has managed a restoration company in Dallas since 2008 and is one of the top drying experts in his region. Clint is also the co-founder of JobDocs, a software developed to help his team manage their overwhelming volume of projects. On the podcast, Clint brings together business managers and leaders to share with you how they have overcome their business pains and how you can too. And now, here's your host, Clint Junell. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Business Aspirin. I'm your host, Clint Janelle, and today I have with me my good friend, Tyler Otto from Restoration Solutions in DFW. Tyler, how the heck are you, man? Good, Clint. How are you, man? I'm doing well. It's really good to have you on, dude. Like, it's exciting to be able to have people that I know that are competitors, but also friends that we've done stuff together and we chat regularly and somebody that I, like, I know about you. And yep. so to get to have you on and then just kind of pick your brain a little bit about this Business Aspirin stuff is, is intriguing and fun for me, man. So thank you for taking the time to do this. Yeah, man. Appreciate you inviting and having on. And I like to have, we don't have any, I don't have any competitors, right? We just have other people that do the same stuff. I think we've worked at least on one job together, if not more than one. I think we've had at least a couple that we've worked together. Um, And then men, like, I I know I can lean on you for stuff and you know, you can lean on me for stuff. And that's pretty great to have those relationships. So excited to have you on in this environment. And um, so let's talk a little bit about Tyler. Let's talk about you and how you got into the restoration space and entrepreneurial spirit and all those kind of things that are about you that led you to where you are today. Yeah. So um, I got into the restoration space almost 10 years ago now. It'll be our, my 10 year anniversary in uh, January. Uh, the company itself existed five years before that. So I landed in this space on accident. I had a, a sales career mostly you know, leading up to this. So I spent about 10 years in the medical device business. I spent a year building houses in Austin before that. And so because I had been pretty successful in that business and kind of got into some positions younger than um, than the, the average person would, I was able to do well, uh, make some money. But the uh, entrepreneurial spirit got me. And also, uh, we share some uh, other stuff in common. My big old A trait uh, from Culture Index got me. And I said, no one can do this better than me. Um, and I kept getting promoted or passed up for promotions, right? So I was 25, 26 years old, you know, saying I should be the regional manager. And they would say, no, man, you're too young. And so I kind of got tired of that and said, I want to go into business for myself. Um, and so I started looking for different businesses, didn't really have a passion on what I wanted to do. And um, actually, while we were on vacation, family vacation in Austin, I found this site called Biz Buy Sell. And um, it's just people at that time, and I'm sure it still exists, listed their businesses for sale. And so I saw this company, Restoration Solutions. I look it up. I'm like, oh, they do some carpet cleaning and they work for home builders. Well, I had worked for a home builder and I knew how to clean carpet. So I said, hey, this is probably what I should do, right? This is tailor-made for me. And so talked to the uh, owners and bought it, signed my life away to Wells Fargo at the time and moved my family from Houston back up to uh, the DFW uh, Metroplex where I uh, grew up and had family and uh, kind of took it from there. 
when I took over, mostly carpet cleaning and a little bit of mitigation. And so um, after I kind of got my you know feet under me to kind of figure out what's going on, I said, man, we make a lot of money when we extract water out of a building um, compared to when we spray it on top of the carpet to clean. And so uh, I focused on, you know, really trying to grow that mitigation business. We still do carpet cleaning. It's a good, um, I feel like it's a good business to be in. It kind of lead is a kind of a, I, I hate to call it a loss leader because it's, it, it's profitable. It's not as profitable as the other, but we're able to use that to break into some commercial accounts that otherwise we wouldn't be able to differentiate ourselves. Yeah, um, but it's so, definitely a good lead source for you, Ben. Yeah. Like um, that avenue of business for you is spectacular. What is your wheelhouse on that? Like, uh, so if somebody is is looking to get in the restoration space and they do a little bit of carpet cleaning, maybe they're kind of on the first step of what you were doing. Where's your wheelhouse? Where where do you go get most of that business? And where would you suggest that somebody go focus um, to to kind of develop that part of the business to jump in it? So I would say focus on where you already are. So for us, that was we didn't do any residential work, and we still don't do a ton of residential work uh, as far as individual homeowners. So we were big into the multifamily space and home builder space. And so that's where we, we kind of watered our uh, mitigation seeds. Um, And so I think it just comes down to asking or making your customers aware of like, Hey, I'm adding on, you know, this service. Um, And it's somewhere where we already understand how they do business and, and what makes them happy. Switching into a different customer segment, such as, you know, for us would have been into like pure residential, I think introduces a lot of variables and you're trying to learn two things at once, right? A new business type, right? A new business service and a new customer base. Um, And so I would say it doesn't really matter what customer base you're serving at the time when you want to do it. I would say stay focused on where you're already making money and then try to expand your service offerings there. Once you get really good at that, then, hey, now can I take this to uh, commercial? Can I take this to healthcare? Can I take this to schools? Uh, things like that. But I would say if you want to go from that from a carpet cleaning company into the mitigation and restoration world, I would say start with who you're already serving and who's already happy with you because you're going to stub your toe, right? And so do you want to sure. stub your toe with a totally new customer base that in, in no relationships? I would say, you know, probably not, you know? Right learn kind of on your existing customer base, which, you know, don't burn bridges. Right. But I mean, it's like, like, Hey, Hey Clint, like, we've been working together. We have this new service, you know, let's, can we talk about, you know, you give us a shot expanding this. Uh, I've set the stage to where, you know, me. So if there's a problem or something, you're going to be able to call me and say, Hey Tyler, we got this issue or Hey, I wasn't happy with this. And you could do that with a homeowner uh, that you'd have on regular carpet cleaning schedule on as well. If you're talking about the residential side. Sure. And I love that, right? Because then you go, okay, well, this is about relationships. Yeah. So your client basically, you have a relationship with, they know you, they trust you. They know you do good work on the carpet cleaning side or whatever service you currently provide for them. Even if it's not carpet cleaning or restoration, whatever it is you do, they they can trust that you're going to take care of what you say you're going to take care of. And you're going to do that and do that well. So as a result, you get to go, okay, hey, Mr. Smith, I'm I'm venturing off into some other stuff because we noticed that in the carpet cleaning space, a lot of those guys, the first person they want to call is the carpet cleaner when they have extraction that needs to have because something flooded. And we've learned and gotten certified and know how to actually dry these structures well now. And we would love that opportunity to be able to provide that service for you. And then that opens up that new vertical for you. Right. Yeah. And so you've had a lot of success with that. Um, yeah. You've done well in terms of capturing a new vertical from a market you already had 
operations in. Right. What do you think was the the drive? I mean, what was the biggest factor? What was the most important thing as you navigated the new vertical? What did you need to do and focus on most? Good question. So we needed to, I think the first thing was, is train, right? Like we've got to say, okay, if we're going to start you know, expanding our service base, how do we get really good at this, right? How do we get better? And then with that though, I think it's just, you got to be willing to take some, some risk on, right? Some new chat, you know, be willing to look at this new problem or new challenge and say, Hey, like I can do this. I've, I've trained, I have my people here, but you gotta, you, you can't be scared to, to jump in and start, start kind of making it happen. Right. You're going to, I don't know if I'm answering this question, question great, but it's like, Hey, I mean, at some point you've got to commit to doing this, right. You've got to say, I'm going to be, you know, in the mitigation space now, learn how to do it. And then you just have to go out and execute. Um, there's no better way to learn, I think, than, than by doing. Um, and so sure. we went out, we started marketing it to, to more customers, um, taking on, just taking on the work, learning as we go, not getting too far out over our skis. Right. But, but taking on, you know, some of that, you know, risk or, or just learning new new ways to to process jobs and to, to serve the customer base yeah and I, and I think that's a spectacular way to do it and so Tyler alluded to something earlier guys that uh, he and I have gone through the same trait for profiling program uh, and so we know that we are essentially wired identically uh, we have the same trait profiling which means we're ultra competitive we want to win we think we're better and smarter than everyone else. Um, we have a tendency to not care what you think about us personally, but we do care what you think about our companies because we want to win and then very detail oriented. So Tyler's a numbers guy. So you can anticipate when he's trying to jump into a new space, he wants to do that very well. He, and he's competitive. So he wants to make sure that everybody perceives him in the competition side as being excellent and doing it well, because he wants to compete. Uh, and then he cares about the details of doing it right. So I, like I can just envision you trying to jump into these new spaces and you're, you're very much a process guy yeah. and you want to make sure you have all this stuff lined up in order to do that. So what, what was the stress beside or behind going, okay, look, I'm going to do this. How do I ensure that I do it? Well, like what, what went into that? And then conversely, how long did it take you to go, okay, we're going to go ahead and do it. <laughs> well, Okay. At the point we were with it, with the company, I knew I needed to grow it, right? I had people in the business that, in, in the company already that knew what they were doing. And I joked, like I cleaned carpet, like I cleaned carpet, like three of us used one truck and tried to figure out who was going to be able to go serve the customer space, right? So I, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was able to lean on people in the company who already knew a little about what they're doing and then just go immerse myself in that business. So it went from, you know, I got on a truck and went out and cleaned. I got on a truck and went out and did mitigations. I went to when we had our first big job, which I can remember. So we would get super excited. I was like, you know, we'd have someone call a customer. We'd like a five or $600 job. And I was like, holy cow, life is never going to be better than it is right now. And then I remember like we got to our first thousand dollar job and I said, oh my gosh, Leo, like, like this is amazing. And man, I was just there and present and made sure that we got it done, like no matter what it takes. And I think that there's probably a better way to do it. I probably, you know, burned some years off of my life by, you know, chasing all that, the jobs and everything around. But, you know, I don't know that you'll learn as fast without, you know, getting in there and doing it. 
and making sure like, Hey, you know, Clint, if you were one of my technicians and I'm out looking at, you know, all these jobs, I'm going to roll up and I'm going to say, Hey man, you know, thank you. I can tell you worked hard on this job. Can we walk through and understand why you set this up the way you did? Is there a better way to do this? Really just asking questions, um, why people are doing things on the backside, you know, knowing the right way to do it or the efficiencies to do it, I think is just, it relieves some of that stress and and just being out there and seeing it. Um, And there's also tons of great resources out there, um, whether it's as simple as YouTube or joining some industry associations, right? So we got involved with with several um, different industry associations. One, um, we got certified through the IICRC is that they don't show you how to do the job, but they teach you the, the science behind it, right? So you can go in there and say, okay, I can go to someone who's been doing this for 20 years and say, now I, I see, I know why you're doing what you're doing, right? And I can talk intelligently about it. And then I can train someone and say, hey, the reason why we put an air mover here or like this isn't just because, right? It's it's in order to facilitate the most efficient way to dry. And, we, and it's calculated, right? Because I think where our industry can get a bad, you know, nay or bad rap sometimes is the barriers to entry can be low. And so people can go out there and just slam equipment into jobs or not put enough equipment on a job. There's kind of still can be a little bit of the wild west. And so just educating yourself and being there and making sure you're not one of those guys or running or running jobs like that, I think is, is important. So you'd say, I guess just showing up. Yeah. I agree. Right. Like, so I think if you look at the perspective of really in any industry, you can just go do work and not do it well and do enough on a customer, like in the water space, right? So restoration, the majority of the clients you deal with have never had an issue. Yep. So if they've never had an issue, they don't know what to expect. So you come in and you show up and you have 30 fans that go into a property that really only needs 10. They don't know the difference. And so I appreciate what you're saying in terms of let's get educated potentially get certified and utilize that education to provide a better service and and make that one of our processes, which is provide exceptional service to our clients with, with some formal backing of an understanding of what it takes to actually do our job and do it well. And so I, I can appreciate that perspective because it's, it is the wild west at some level, really kind of in any industry. Uh, sure. In terms of trying to make things happen and just trying to go at it. And, and when you're young and when you're starting off your business, you're trying to make everything happen, whatever you can make it, uh, whatever job you can make into a job, you want to make it into a job and you want to make as much money as you can on it because you're not sure when the next one's going to come there. Like you're talking about $500,000 jobs, you're like, oh, this is awesome, right? Let's, how do we get more of these? How do we make more on these uh, environments? And And I think I can appreciate having the education for you and your staff to make sure that they do your the job at least as well as they possibly can, right? Like I think in our space, nothing ever really goes perfectly. Um, I would still contend that the science behind drying isn't perfect. I know there's people that would argue that because those guys that are, you know, doing the schools and saying, this is what you have to do and how you do this thing and you need to dry like this is, um, they're going to contend that their science is is spot on, but it's not uh, regardless of who you talk to in that environment. So getting educated and doing that well is significant and important. And I appreciate that. Yeah. So let's talk about, what is something you wish you knew when you got started that maybe you know now? So I think that the value of numbers is something that, and it's something that I think I'm pretty good at and I've always been good at, but knowing the importance of collecting your your own data 
and then how to, you know, sort track and utilize that to your, to your advantage, I think is something that you can't start soon enough. I was, I'm pretty good. And I still rely on uh, this up here as opposed to getting everything down onto paper or into a system. And I just think that, uh, man, if you have the opportunity when you're starting out to just start recording as much and collecting as much data in the same way or the same format on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, you will be so far ahead of the game um, when it comes to growing, scaling your company profitably and knowing what works and what doesn't work. So all the stuff you talked about earlier about me, you know, about, you know, how I'm wired about wanting to do things well, wanting to be accurate, wanting to have the system and process in place. I wasn't always the best at getting that on paper. I'm still not the best at getting that on paper. And that has hurt us. It hurts us now sometimes. And it definitely hurt us in the past of like, hey, where am I getting my business from? How long, you know, when I go there to this particular job, how long does it take me to do it versus this other job, right? Why did it take me longer here or longer there? How many sales calls did we have to make in order to get this new customer? You know, what was our gross margin last year on water jobs versus cleaning jobs? I mean, all that stuff. It's so easy to set that up on the front end and take the time to do it. But it's it, you don't get paid for for collecting data and organizing data. And so so I needed to go out and make money, right? And so that's what I did. I think if you can be disciplined enough on the front end to get your numbers in order, in place, track your data, stay organized, track your processes, get them on paper. I think that's the that's the biggest thing to do it. And there's tools out there's so many tools out there that'll do a lot of this for you. You know, there's industry softwares that will do a lot of this stuff for you, right? You might Weird. know at least one. Um, <laughs> I think I know one of them. <laughs> but, but I mean, there's but, but there's there's multiple softwares or some. They're all they're all yeah. good at some stuff, yeah. and, and they all focus on their thing. But I think knowing, like, deciding what you want to track, and then getting that down and getting it tracked and tracking it consistently over time. You don't need a software on the front end to do it, but you do need to know what numbers to to track. And so, and then you can decide, right? There's probably I bet if you and I named we could probably name 15 numbers that that are important a company could track but that you need to know yeah yeah but you can't track all 15 all the time right you've got to decide of those what are my 3 to 5 numbers that I'm really going to focus on and drive there are there's tons of resources out there that'll talk to that'll tell you how to collect it which ones to collect how to aggregate it and then what they mean and I, if if you can spend time doing that on the front end there's also tons of softwares that will very easily let you build a process, right? They'll track your computer strokes and all that. Um, sure. Investing a small amount in that stuff on the front end when 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 you don't have when you think you don't have time is, I think, it would be a, would have been a game changer for me <laughs> if I could go back well, ten years yeah, and yeah. start over again. And sure. people told me, right? Like someone's gonna hear this. Hopefully, at least ten people maybe will will hear this and they'll say, "Man." I need to go do this, right? But they won't do it, right? They'll be like, "I don't have time," and and you will never have time to go back. You're only going to get busy. That's right. That's the story over and over and over and over again is, and, and I had a conversation with Russ Palmer uh, a few weeks ago in regard to this, then he's, his podcast will post pretty quick, but it's the same thing. It's, well, when should you do this? And I appreciate you saying, do this now, like the ends that you're getting started, do it because most of us waited too long. Right. I mean, that's the reason we even in, we created the whole job box thing to begin with is because we didn't have processes in place and stuff was slipping through the cracks and we were doing work and failing to bill for it because we couldn't keep up with it. And we weren't tracking what we needed to be tracking. We didn't even have it really on paper, per se, yeah. uh, when we started trying to do that, because it's 
it's difficult to do that because again, I needed to work. I needed to earn money. I had a family to support and I had, uh, now I have employees that I got to support and oh my gosh, we got to get this stuff done. But truthfully, you're going to have more success and more time and more opportunity if you do that now. Yep. Put the processes in place and navigate it. And, you know, there's, there's tools for that. Like we talked in, on several of the conversations I've had, there's guys that are using EOS, uh, entrepreneurial operating system as one, uh, scaling up as one that we've yep. had conversations about. So utilizing some system to tell you how you put your team together and then what to track. Like these are the things that should be important to you. Uh, focus on these things, right? You got to have sales. So, okay, well, how's my sales team doing? <laughs> uh, you know, I've got to have some revenue. Well, then how, what percentage of these am I closing in order to have the sales team do something? Well, how, am I, am I doing this work and not making any money doing the work? Like there's some things you can figure out. Um, but if you don't track it, you can't change it. Yes. Like, the only thing that ever gets, gets changed is what gets monitored, right? Like if right. you don't know what you're doing, you're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. And I, I really appreciate that statement of what you're doing um, in, in regard to this podcast and how it's going to help somebody try to develop and grow in, in business. So let's talk about then from that perspective, like talk about a pain that you've had that was kind of hard to fix. Um, that one would be an easy one to talk about, right? Like I didn't put stuff in place quick enough and that's a hard pain, but like, and you can talk about that more if you want, but what, is there anything else? Yeah, I think that, um, one of the other, you know, really hard things to, to do. And, and, and I think everyone probably says this, you know, every generation, but I mean, hiring is, is having a strategy around hiring is, is really important. So you and I both use the same, um, company to, to do kind of employee screening. And there's lots of, I mean, there's lots of options out there to do that. But I think having a system and process in place to um, know the right, the kind of person you want to hire, and then how are you going to find them? How often, and then, and, and then how often are you going to look for them? I think um, is, has been painful. And I think that's certainly been something that will hold you back, right? Getting the right people in place, knowing when to hire, if you want to hire someone, you know, you, it, it's just today's market. If, if you need a project manager right now, you should have started looking about three months ago, you know, yeah. training, getting it's just the hiring process. I think it's just been one of the hardest parts for us, whether just the recruiting, finding the right people, get them onboarded, get them into your system, you know, getting them trained and getting them set up for, for success. I think has been just a, it's been one of the hardest things I never would have thought of been so hard because we always assume everyone's like us. Right. So, you know, I'm a kind of a take charge, go, you know, like we said, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to learn how to do it. I'm going to learn how to be the best at it. Like you're not going to have to tell me a whole, you know, a whole lot about what I'm, what I'm going to do once I get interested in something, right? Like I'm going to learn it and try to master it, but not everyone's like that. And no, yeah, <laughs> no, thank God. And no one's ever going to care as much as you as the business right. owner or the right. or the manager, right? And so you just have to remember that and um, figure out you need people that are going to do the work. You need people that you know are that are into the technical side of the of the job from the from the labor standpoint, right? And so those people aren't going to be your salespeople, right? And you need your salespeople that are going to go out there and, and close jobs, and they're probably not going to be the technician that's going to you know have have the patience and the detail and whatnot to put everything together. So I think having a having a profile of who you want and what role, knowing how to find that person. And then once you get them on, knowing how to onboard them successfully into the company and successfully into the role is probably the hardest thing that you're, that you're going to do owning any business. And it's something that, you know, we certainly, 
you know, have struggled with in the past. It's not easy. I've, I've probably hired people who should have been rock stars that I failed to um, either give enough time, enough training, um, enough attention to on the front end. And I've also probably hired some people and then you'll do the same thing. You hire some people that you know, aren't going to be a rock star for whatever reason, right? Just a bad fit. And you tend to let them, you know, linger in your business too long. And that, you know, creates problems as well. So I think um, having a just solid way around recruiting, finding who you want, getting them in the company, getting them trained and, and getting them assimilated into the control culture is the hardest thing you're going to do running a business. Sure. Well, so let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, one of the things he's talking about is trait profiling and culture index is the company that Tyler works with. And there's others out there. Um, so like, know your talents is one. And, and essentially what they're doing is you're answering a series of questions and those series of questions help the test, the survey, understand how you're wired. And that's how Tyler and I know that we're wired the same is because we've had that same test and culture index. And it leads you to a place where you get to understand the trait profiling of your employees. And even to the point of being able to say, this trait profile is what I need for this role. Over and over again, this role has been successful with this trait profile. And you get to you know kind of find somebody that trait profile. Um, and I think that's spectacular. And I think it worked really well. But let's talk then. So, so in Tyler's case, before he even makes an offer to anyone, what we can do with through Culture Index and Know Your Talent and some of these other guys is know if this person is a right culture fit for your environment and for that particular role you want to have them operate in. And so, which is spectacular and it works really well, but then post COVID there's still something out there, Tyler, that I don't get right. Like it's like, you can even find the right person, right fit, but then it still blows up. And, And so like, let's talk about, let's talk about that. Because prior to COVID and before 2020, you could use that and you could hire somebody and they were going to be there and it's going to be a rock star and things are going to be amazing for a, a pretty good period of time before yeah. we had to go look for somebody else. And now it seems like it just doesn't stick. Yeah, we've definitely experienced that. I don't have a great answer. Um, yeah, okay. And that's really fine, fun. right? It's um, And that's fine because that's part of the process too with people understanding like, look, we've, we've put tools in place and there are tools that will help with this. And it's still difficult to get quality employees that are going to show up and they're going to do what they need to do on a regular basis in today's world. And it's there's tough. so much um, knowledge work out there that has gotten pushed for so long. Right. So when I say knowledge work, right, like your people who are working behind a, a computer or an engineer or, um, you know, pro- programmers, whatever. Right. Like stuff where you're it's you're paid for what you know. Right. The trades haven't been pushed very hard for a long time, and and so we're starting to we're starting to see some of the the reflection of that and the challenges of that, you know, in this marketplace and and in across the country, but especially in North Texas. I mean, the you know development of you know physical property has been huge, right? So I mean, if you wanted to. Um, if you're inclined to work in a you know trade or physical labor, the opportunities out there are endless. On the flip side, the knowledge workers as technology is, has grown, and then you had COVID. You know they're not used. They their ability is out there to work from home, right? I don't think it, so. The lack of available labor because there's so much opportunity out there has been tough, and then the way some of the knowledge you know based jobs have gone is just for a 
a trade company, which is what we are, right? We, we, you know, we might not be licensed technically, you know, at least not in the state of Texas, we're a trade company. You know, we need people here and we, you know, in our offices, there's, when you're running a service-based company, I think it's very, very difficult to do that remotely. I'm sure there's people that are going to listen to this and roll their eyes and say, you just haven't figured it out yet. And I'm going to say, yeah, I haven't. But for me, I think there's some value to being here from an operation standpoint, from a collaboration standpoint. So the right hand knows what the left hand is doing. And, and sure. quite honestly, I think that the numbers have shown that people are more productive when they're in a physical office space versus being at home. Um, and I think there's a lot of people who need to have that human you know, interaction in the same space. As far as the labor side goes, like you got to figure out ways to keep those guys incentivized to to work um you got to make sure that they with this newer one i mean i think it's like there's a lot more of the it's not just about the paycheck it's about the camaraderie of the team it's about you know making them feel appreciated it's about you know building a uh, again kind of a buzzword of culture within your company and some of the stuff is silly stuff right some of it's that soft stuff that us uh you know, people in the trades or construction or whatever is like, you know, we don't, you know, it's not stuff that we think that we need to do, but um, really all of that, you know, you know, using got a wide funnel going, I guess, but like all of that is important, you know, at this day to get people in there and to get them to stay. One thing that we tried that, that worked pretty well, we're in the process of kind of, of we stopped, we're going back is that, man, I would encourage like, so the work from home thing, and uh, and uh, I I'm, I want to be careful here, but I'm assuming we're talking to other business owners here. This is a business owners podcast, right? So it's people right. that are looking to grow their business. There are ways to get people. If people aren't going to be in your office, get creative. So we were able to utilize. There's several services out there where you can start using people that live. Because if people aren't going to come in your office, do you really care where they live at that point? And I would say no, you don't, right? And so we've been able to utilize you know workers in other parts of the world. Mexico being my favorite place to go in order to accomplish administrative tasks and things that, yeah, if you're not going to be in the office, why do I care where you are at all? So they're on the same time zone in Mexico. And a lot of them speak great English because of especially Texas with our customer base, you know, having the English Spanish um, being bilingual is really important. So just get creative, man. I mean, if, if you can't get people to come in and everyone wants to be remote, then, you know, I don't I mean, then, then pay somebody, do. then pay somebody eight bucks an hour instead of 20 that they want here right yeah, and get the 100%. same result from something that's going to be there i get it and i yeah. have no problem with that I'm, i mean uh, it's a reality of where we're at and what what the market and economy has done is like well suddenly you have to be paid an exorbitant amount of money to be able to provide anything and you're right like if you're not going to be in the office like you're right it doesn't matter where you're at uh now, as get a, the same result from somebody now as a uh you know red-blooded american and texan do i like outsourcing my jobs no, I don't. Yeah. Um, but I, but I think, you know, back to the, like, how do we do this post COVID? I mean, you're, you just have to get creative, right? Because um, we have an interesting business, right? And this maybe will, will, could take us another direction, but the market's only going to bear what it bears, right? So if everybody in my office, all of a sudden I need to start paying $25 and up to do every single task, right? I can't charge enough money to my customers to get them to continue to buy. Now we are in a unique business where sometimes our customer isn't the end payer. And so some of that comes into place, right? But ultimately I got to be able to market my service and sell it at a rate that is that is considered fair and reasonable, right? For the For our business. I can't do that if I'm paying everybody $25, $30, $40 an hour, right? So we have to figure out ways to get creative. And that's, you know, whether it's outsourcing payroll or outsourcing, you know, some of your staff, you know, to, you know, 
across the world? That's one. Is there ways you can employ technology to get, you know, one person to be able to now do the work of two? Anything like that, I think right. is helpful, you know, post-COVID. Well, because look, like at the end of the day, the consumer has to bear the burden of whatever it costs to make this happen. Right. So either my price has to go up or I got to figure something else out. And and what you're alluding to in our space is the majority of what we get paid for comes from an insurance carrier yeah. who has a tendency to complain about everything you bill for. Like it doesn't matter if it's a hundred thousand dollar job. If I charge 10 for it, they're going to complain about the $10,000 that I charged for. Yeah. Right. So that's just where we live and where we operate. And I get it from their perspective, but uh, you're right. I mean, we've got to be, and I, I really appreciate that perspective of being able to talk to these guys and go, look, it doesn't have to be somebody, you know, that's sitting in a, a desk. If they're going to be remote, they don't have to be somebody, you know, sitting in a desk in North Texas. Right. Or whatever city you're in, they could be wherever. So, you know, if you want to employ somebody, if you want to employ a family member that needs a job, that's going to be good at this and they can't, you know, they have to stay home for whatever reason. They can do this work from home. Maybe you can work out a deal with them and they're in, you know, Wyoming or sure. you know, Boston or whatever. It wouldn't make any difference. Or you can have, you know, you can go close shore or offshore and still make the thing work. I mean, the reality is we all know that there's a lot of that happening because so you get a lot of these spam robocalls, right, that are offshore people trying to call and tell you that they're in. In our case, <laughs> we're based in Plano. And I'm like, oh, no, you're not in Plano, right? Like, yeah. um, but the reality is it's just what it is in the market. And and I do appreciate that. Man. And I think that's- yeah, A lot of the industries have adopted that for a long time, right? I think trades, you know, trades and smaller businesses haven't, the technology, you know, haven't, hasn't been there in order for us to be able to efficiently do that. But sure. you and I are, even though we're both in North Texas, right? We're talking face-to-face here, you know, on, on a computer. And so- yeah. Uh, now that everybody has a computer, everyone has a webcam, but almost everyone has internet. It just has opened up those possibilities. Hopefully, you know, being a free market believer, you know, there'll be some efficiencies that are created and some will come up hopefully with a new widget idea that'll continue to, you know, create good, you know, high paying jobs to backfill those ones that, you know, technology has uh, comes up with a, a solution for. Well, and, and that's a very big reality, right? Like technology is going to solve a lot of the problems. There yeah. are ways to, do more with less personnel as a result of what's happening with software solutions like what we're doing or the AI tools that are coming out that are going to allow you to accomplish some other things. It's it's unique and it's interesting to watch what's happening in that environment. So uh, I'll be interested to see where all this leads when it's all said and done. So let me question, what, what do you think is with the success you've had, what is the best decision you've made that's led to the most success? Oh, man. Hard to narrow that down to one decision. I think what really propelled us, kind of going back to get to where it was, to be to where we are, um, is man. When you when you're starting out, we said yes, you know, and figured out you know how to make it happen. So all the training stuff I said is important. Being ready, right? Like like what is that? Um, um, luck is when uh, opportunity meets. Uh, skill or or something like that, right? So you got to have that training, but man, you just got to be willing to say yes and be willing to go out and just, um, you know, bust it for a few years in this business, right? I mean, it's just, it is what it is. And I still, you know, keep that same attitude in place looking for, op- so I would say that. And then the biggest one was, you know, probably three or four years ago as we really started to, so you get, like, you start to grow, right? I think this is kind of maybe a natural progression for a lot of businesses just start, not just ours, right? But, you know, whatever, you start to grow and you need to say less, yes a lot on the front end. I would say, you know, anything you can say yes to that 
that you know how to do or that's within your um, wheelhouse used to say yes to, right? If it, even if it sucks, even if you're like, hey, this is going to be awful. I don't want to do this. You got to you got to start building up your customer base. You got to start building your revenue. You got to be able to make your payroll. Once you start weeding out, weeding down your customers, right? So we had our funnel and we were like way wide like this, right? So we started to say, okay, back to the numbers thing. How do we make like who are our best customers? So our funnel started getting a little bit narrower, right? It's like, hey, I'm not, I don't have to say yes as often anymore because I know where I can make money. And I've this, you know, Jane Doe customer or company or um, builder or commercial property or whoever, I know how that's going to go. I've, I've been there and it's just not going to work for us. It might be right for, for Mr. Restore might be a great option for this company, but for me, it's not. And that doesn't mean that I'm above it. It just means that there's some that are going to be not a great fit for you. You got to be smart, figure out where your fit is. And then growing within that. I think the biggest thing we did was one thing we did was, so Clint knows like we do a lot in the multifamily space. I, I like that space. There's a lot of people who don't like it, but we figured out ways to be really good at it. And it's, it's, it's been great for our company. One of the property managers come up to us and said, Hey, I saw your website and you have you list construction on your website. Like, yeah, yeah, we do construction. And we were, we were doing it mostly in, you know, residential space. Like, well, how come you never told me that? I'm like, well, because we leave and <laughs> you have your own painters that do all your, your turnover and, and you have your flooring vendors that do all your turnover. And so you just turn it into them. Right. They're like, yeah, but they don't really do repair work like this. They want to come in and do a quick paint or whatever. And so it was like, Holy cow, you want us to do the repairs. And so, you know, that opportunity was just sitting there before us by, you know, not, uh, again, Walk, walking away from it before, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so and I, like that brings up some conversation that I've had with some of our team, even on the Mr. Restore side, which is just observe. Yeah. Like let's pay attention to what's going on around us and see if we can provide an extra level of customer service by just observing what is taking place. What are they like? What are they into? What do they really need? Do they need us to provide another service that we haven't asked about? Um, we don't have to make it into a job just because we think we want a job, but can we do something extra to be exceptional at what we do by serving them? And, and it's great that you've recognized that. And, and now you go, okay, wait a minute. Like, how do we tell people what we do without being pushy about it? Right. Yeah. yeah and finding great. out and like, what else can you do within that account? I mean, yeah. So one of the hardest things for our business in, in the restoration business is um, having enough people, right? Like, because, for Texas in particular, like we're, what is it? September 22nd today. So we're th- four months away from particular, from probably our busiest time, you know, consistently throughout the year. Into January, into February, we get freezes. We get, um, um, and that's when a lot of our mitigation work happens, um, you know, outside of what, what I would call daily work, right? So you can never have enough people. I, just, I don't know anybody that that, that can, but... Figuring out how to serve your customer base in in ways that you can be good at it that allows you to stay staffed up, I think, is another key. You know, to where <laughs> where you don't have, where you can take on more of those opportunities when they come in. You got to get creative, right? Like you have to be, find additional ways to hire labor and develop those relationships. But if you can keep fourteen people staffed, let's just say throughout the year, because we've added these additional services and we're taking care of our clients, then that all of a sudden allows you to take care of even more of them or a bigger base whenever, you know, those busy times come in. And so I think like of companies that have scaled way beyond anything that I have so far, if you look at a company like um, Cotton, 
right? Like they've got their catering business and they set up man camps, right? That allows them um, to keep an incredible amount of staff productive throughout the year. So when they have big, you know, global disasters that come on, they've just got a huge labor force that they have, a, that they've been, uh, that they've built up and have access to allow them to respond to stuff that, you know, I might, that I know I can't, but you know what I mean? Other companies yeah. aren't going to get to as easily because that was like, they were strategic and they're smart about that. So I think figuring out ways to like, Add services with your customer base. So then whenever they really need you and more more than one of them need you at a time, you can scale up or be ready more quickly is is important. And I think that's beautiful. But beyond that, like how hard is it to get a new client? Very so if I've if I've already got a new if I've already got a client and there's more opportunity there that I can be profitable at. I don't I don't need the work just to practice. Sure. I need to be able to be profitable at it. But if I've already got the client, then heck man, let's Let's try to take advantage of the fact that this is somebody that likes us and is captive. Let's do everything we can for them. That's going to be profitable. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. Well, dude, I, I like, I just looked at the time and it's four Uh So we've been on this thing for, for almost an hour at this point, and, and I want to be mindful of your time. So I have plenty of questions. Maybe we circle back for a second one at some point, but yeah. before we wrap this one up, what is there anything you want to say right now to someone that's looking to start a business uh, or looking to go to that next level of business that that we haven't mentioned yet. Knowing that we can still do another podcast sometime later, we'll circle back to the rest <laughs> of the conversation. Yeah. Um, it's at the end of the day, all of these businesses are, it's, it's about, you know, the people, right? You got to take care of your customers and you got to take care of your people. And I think that getting really good at um, the stuff that, you know, we talked about earlier of, of learning how to hire, learning how to, um, put processes in place and learning how to um, truly manage a, a business um, is is the hardest thing you'll do. The technical side of the work is very important um, and you have to learn that, but that's kind of like a um, Patrick Lincoln has a, has a word for it. I can't think of what it, I can't think of what it is right now, but like, like if, if you're going to start a restoration company and you're not going to learn how to do restoration, well, then that's your, that's like, that's a given. Like you have to become a master at your trade, but what you really have to do to be, be a successful business owner is, is be a master at that trade. Right. So hiring, managing accountability, and knowing your numbers are, are just what you have to become a master at. If, if you choose not to be good at your, at the, at the trade that you're, that you're in, well, that's your own problem. You're going to go out of business. So I don't care if you learn the other stuff or not, but if you right, decided right. to to do something and you're going to be good at it, I'm going to assume that you're going to learn how to do it well. Um, so focusing your time on again, recruiting culture numbers, um, accountability are, are, are key. And the sooner you can do that and build that into your, you know, your daily, you know, rhythm and routine, you know, the better off and the more successful you are and you'll scale much, much quicker than, than kind of the up and downs that you'll get by making those Fair. silly mistakes or, or decisions without the right information. I think that's great, dude. And I appreciate it. Uh, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for the friendship and the chance yeah. to chat with you on this one. Uh, thanks for, for being on and stopping by and taking the time out of your day. And I think there's still a lot more we can chat about. And that was a good conversation. It didn't seem like it was that long. So yeah. uh, we may have to do another one too. I'm, I'm starting to really enjoy doing this with everybody and like always going, Hey, let's circle back for another one. So we're going to have a round two on all these with everybody that we're doing so far. They've been great, but man, I appreciate you. And uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Clint. Bye everybody. Talk soon. This has been a Business Aspirin, pain relief for business podcast. If you're a business owner trying to overcome your business pains, 
follow us on Apple Podcasts or visit our website for more information, job-docs.com.